Hello friends, this is the HIFIA podcast, an investigation into the future from the perspective of doers, makers and thinkers. We discuss ideas, solutions and technologies with experts, scientists and the smartest people on the planet. We bring hope into daily conversation about state of the planet, technology and our sustainable future. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur. Having founded his first successful venture at the age of 24, he's an active outdoors enthusiast and has traveled extensively. Pioneer and leader in electric mobility solutions in Germany since 2009, currently CEO and co-founder of Ono, Beres Selbach. Hello, Beres. Hello. Great to for ha- having me. Great to have you on the show. Uh, how's, how's your day so far? How's Berlin? Yeah, Berlin is a little bit struggling in the moment uh, because of Corona, like most big cities. Uh, so I'm in the home office. Uh, I brought my my bigger child to into the kindergarten, and since nine o'clock, I'm at now in the home office and working. Exactly the the lockdown remote work. So you have a pretty big team in Ono. Is everybody working remotely right now? Uh, not everybody. Uh, we have now 33 people at Ono, and of course, we also have uh, mechanics and uh, a service team, and they can't uh, work remotely. Um, but uh, like 50% of the other people are actually at, at the home office in the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for everybody who's listening, you run Ono. You introduce a new category of emission free vehicles, e cargo bikes. They look amazing. I've seen videos, uh, great stuff. But tell me, how did you get involved in this industry? Yeah, um, uh, we are three founders, so I don't run Uno uh, alone. I'm the CEO, but I have two other great founders. So we are actually uh, yeah, three uh, people running it together. And how get I into it? Um, it? It started quite a while ago when I lived and studied in China. Um, and I, I got in contact with uh, millions of electric scooters and uh, I, I brought these uh, electric scooters back to Germany with me, still doing my studying and founded my first company in the area of electric mobility. And uh, I, I really like uh, electric vehicles because I think it can bring back uh, quality of life into our cities, right? You don't have emissions in the city, you don't have noise, uh, and it makes the city more joyful again and makes the city more for humans again. And that's uh, what I'm doing since more than 10 years now. I'm uh, pioneers in electric mobility. But we realized in a certain point that electric cars is maybe not the solution because cars, they need a lot of space, they need a lot of resources to build, uh, and you need a charging infrastructure, which is expensive. So we believe that the future of cities is not depending so much on electric cars, but on electric uh, vehicles, which are smaller and lighter than cars. So that's actually the idea behind uh, Ono in the moment. Mm-hmm. So transport is a huge contributor to CO2 emissions uh, worldwide. It's it's currently around 24% of global emissions. And with Ono, you're directly solving this problem on a local city street level. Urban logistics, that's how I uh, heard this, this, this area of, of, of industry, this business being called. What's the business landscape you find yourself in right now? Do, do you get a lot of support for this idea? It's definitely a strong increasing market because we all love to order online and we all love to, to stay at home and, and get our passes delivered, but also get food delivered, get groceries delivered. So I think uh, it's it's more and more markets are uh, turning from 
stores into uh, online uh, shops and then these things need to be delivered. And what I realized since one or two years is that more and more cities recognize this as a big challenge for them, right? So uh, urban logistics becomes more a focus of, of mayors, of cities. They, they understand that they need to change how things get delivered because if they don't do it, they, they, they have even more traffic, they have even more traffic jams. And it's, it's an increasing problem for cities, but cities now woke up and and start to try to moderate uh, the thing. And like, if you look to Paris, uh, where cars are banned uh, from the city center and new bicycle uh, paths are coming up. So yes, it's, it's, it's getting quite a bit of momentum these days. Mm -hmm. What about competition? There's competition. Uh, where is no competition, there's no market, I always <laughs> say. So if you're the only one, then maybe uh, there's just no market or you uh, you really uh, created your own uh, blue ocean. Um, but most of the competition we have are, are more from the bicycle industry. And most of the, these cargo bikes were built for family, for private use, and not so much built for B2B, for businesses, for deliveries, for like 10 hours a day, six days a week. So we come more from the automotive area, like my co-founders, uh, one of them was head of design of the Volkswagen group. Uh, the other one designed more like uh, electric cars before. Um, and we believe that not everything from the car industry is bad, right? The car industry is actually quite good and making high quality products quite achievable. And this knowledge we take and bring it into the e-cargo bike market. And we believe that in the moment we have one of the best e-cargo bike, uh, bikes on the market in terms of quality, in terms of reliability, but also in, in terms of design and, and functionality. Oh yeah, the design is very um, distinctive. I, I've seen your videos, uh, countless videos and few the few renders you have on Instagram. It's definitely a piece of art, a piece of industrial design art. Did you take part personally in designing the bicycle? Uh, not so much. I'm, I'm not a designer, but you're right. I mean, until today, I think most cargo bikes has been developed without any design approach, right? Just functional uh, the design of the vehicle or like just the engineering work. Uh, and we, I think, one of the first companies who took the design approach from the automotive industry. So we also took the same techniques. We started drawing uh, with pencil on paper, then we, we taped it on the wall, and then we put it into the computer. And this is, I think, new in this kind of uh, businesses. And Murat, my, my co-founder, and Philip, they, they did uh, most of the design work. And they, uh, Murat has more than 30 years of experience as a designer. And so he, he's mostly responsible for the, for the good looking. I remember one of the pictures um, on your website was uh, a tram, like the frontal picture of a tram and side by side, you're on a bike and it looked like from the same reality. So congratulations on that. It's, it's, it's a great, it's a great looking bike. I, I wish I seen more of them uh, on the street, to be honest. Uh, but Thank let, you. Let, let me ask you, let me ask you, what is the biggest obstacle you have with Honor right now? Um, I think what we see a lot in electric vehicle markets is, is companies who do nice drawings, who maybe also can build nice prototypes, but going into mass production, I think is 
is definitely a, a different topic. And uh, in the moment, this is our biggest challenge. Uh, you always hear Elon Musk saying this, like building the machine which builds the machine is, is much more challenging than actually creating prototypes. And uh, it's like the production hell where we are going through in the moment as well. And it's, uh, yeah, you, you need to ensure a certain quality, but you also need to ensure a certain production cost. Um, and this is what we are facing in the moment, but we start delivering our first vehicles actually these days. So I think we went through it. We needed in total three years from coming from uh, an idea to a finished vehicle. And I think it's quite, quite fast. And yeah, but it's, it's an ongoing challenge, especially now these days with Corona. Uh, we have four in a different parts. And like every one or two weeks, we have a supplier who has a corona incident in his uh, team. Then he have to shut down the, the production of parts. So this is it's getting even more challenging in these days uh, to ensure the supply chain and, and, and to get the production uh, running. Yeah, and your supply chain, are you producing this in Europe or are you sourcing it uh, via China or is there do you, do you want to talk about it? Yes, of course, it's, it's an important part of our business and the we strongly believe that these vehicles should be produced uh, locally. So in the moment we, we assemble them in, in Germany, actually, um, we don't believe that you should ship them around the, the world. And uh, uh, we also believe at the beginning that the quality is, is most important and that we can ensure this quality if the production is uh, nearby. Um, so yeah, we are producing them in Germany and for whole Europe, we, we will produce them in Europe. For North America, maybe we will go to North America and have an assembling line over there. For other markets, the same. So yeah, we believe in local production and and don't want to outsource this completely to China in the moment. Yeah. That's a great uh, opportunity to, to talk very briefly about your expansion strategy. Because from what I gather, you're currently operating in Berlin. That's like your headquarters. Uh, you had Munich as this, and Munich and Leipzig. Uh, as like two other locations. Do you want to expand in the other European markets right now or are you testing it in, in Germany? What's your what's your expansion strategy? So first of all, we, we don't think so much into countries. We believe more into city to city by city approach, mm -hmm. a little bit similar to the e-scooter companies. So we are an urban solution. So we are not a solution for the countryside. And if I look next year, what potential cities we are going, then that's definitely Paris, um, because Paris is, is really pushing this, this type of uh, mobility and logistic concept. And uh, I think also Vienna and Austria is a very interesting city for our vehicle. Then you also have Amsterdam or Copenhagen or even London. And yeah, so to answer your question short, uh, I, I strongly believe that we will be uh, quite soon in other European cities and that maybe in Germany we do like five to ten cities and then already go uh, abroad and, and do some other cities in, in, in Austria or, or France. Mm -hmm. um, so you said it already, you, you're approaching business, business to business. Uh, you, you're talking directly to business, the delivery companies, uh, the food companies, restaurants, um, and you have a subscription model business from what I understand. You pay monthly and you do a 48 month commitment and you take care of everything the technology the, the the servicing of it all do you consider moving into more of a consumer market where i can personally buy something like that if i don't want to do subscription do you consider that 
In the future, yes, uh, probably, but with a different kind of vehicle. Uh, but now for the beginning, we really focus on this B2B market on the subscription-based uh, business model because our customer wants this kind of services. They don't want to own a cargo bike. They want to have a solution to bring their stuff from A to B. But if we if we look uh, like three to five years uh, into the future, then I, I think Ono can also produce a, a vehicle more for the B2C market. And, and this is maybe also sold or it's also on a subscription base in, in Europe you see even like for private uh, people now subscription based business models in the e-bike and, and bicycle sector there's a, a great company from the Netherlands called Swapfields they're very successful in, in, in Germany in the moment and I, I think it's a, it's a trend and it can be also taken into more sustainability because if you if you own as a company your assets and only rent them out then your interest is to make them very uh, high quality and very long lasting right and this is again good for environment and and uh, and it's not so much that you throw away the bicycle after two years but that you try to keep it for 10 years or something yeah? so i'm i'm a big fan of these kind of business models i have to i have to say yeah, I, I, I just realized that's a great approach. You Because my, my follow-up question was about batteries. You've been, uh, are you developing them on your own, the batteries for Ono? Are you, or are you working with an outside vendors to supply the battery design, the battery charging station? We're working uh, with an outside uh, vendor. It's a also Berlin-based company called Swabby, and we buy the batteries from them, and uh, we participate in a swapping system. So okay. uh, these batteries can be swapped at swapping stations. In the moment, I have, I think, uh, they have twenty swapping stations in Berlin, and they also grow to other cities and. I strongly believe that for light electric vehicles, battery swapping makes a lot of sense. Not so much for cars. I think we, we saw big failures in the in the past, like a better place from Israel who tried to approach this to, to the car industry uh, where it didn't work out. And it's also quite more complicated in the, in the automotive industry to do this. But in the light electric vehicle, like scooters, uh, bigger scooters and also cargo bikes, I think swapping batteries makes a lot of sense. And if you see what what tier uh, the e-scooter company from Berlin is doing in the moment and they exactly go into this market. They just raised 250 millions uh, from SoftBank. And I think one big uh, strategic uh, field where they're gonna, gonna go is, is, is battery swapping. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it makes it more convenient for the user not to, to plug in a charger, but just to swap the batteries. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about this idea? Yeah, I, I totally agree. But have you heard about this idea for electric cars that you would have uh, this this drone trailer that would uh, follow you and just plug into your car while you're moving? I think that like the Volkswagen. I think Volkswagen was doing something like that. You, you, so you imagine the scenario: you're driving on the street, and then suddenly something just comes up and just plugs into you. You keep driving. Do you think that's that's a solution to electric cars? <laughs> It sounds like an idea, an engineer-driven idea, which uh, which didn't uh, didn't really could work out from the business uh, case. It sounds quite uh, complicated and expensive. I I, I think uh, we we see for cars more like uh, quick charging stations, and, mm -hmm. and then I think you you do a coffee break of twenty minutes and you you charge your your car for three four hundred miles, and that that's enough, right? But I, I also, I mean, long-term travel, I most of the time try to do by train. Mm -hmm. um, and in the city, I, I take my bike. So maybe we don't need so many cars anymore in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Like the cities 
currently are being built for the car. And that's that's partly this, your solution is partly to solve that. So we can bring the, for example, the smart street. Do you think about, you know, the redesign of the cities a lot in terms of like you have to probably. But what do you think like the, the, the future street level would look like? Do you think it would be unified across like countries? I I hope or I I believe that we today we have one mobility system and the car is inside the city and outside the cities and it works everywhere. And I believe that in the future we will have in each city will have its own system of, of vehicles and mobility, and you will have a, a system to connect these cities or to connect the countryside. And there the car will be still also present. But I, I, I think inside the cities, we won't see any more so much the private use of cars. It will be more like autonomous vehicles bringing you from A to B. And so we don't have any more so many parked vehicles, right? And mm -hmm. if you see how, how much space is actually taken by parking, by parked vehicles, which are not used for 23 hours on average per day, then you suddenly have much more space in the city for, yeah, for playing, for sitting, for restaurants, for cafes. And, and I think it gets much safer in cities as well. So the, the, it, it, it's less dangerous to live in this kind of cities. And the people maybe are more living on the street again in a positive uh, way and, 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 yeah, and uh, feel more comfortable again being outside. I, I think that's the future of, of cities, actually. Mm -hmm. So wh where do you want to go with Ono in the future? So there, there's, a, there's a conversation about autonomous cars and like vehicles in the city itself but do you see honor being autonomous at some point in the future like this this, this definitely I, I i think i mean we have this already in mind I, 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 we are not really working on it but we're working on something like a follow me or follow uh, by function so that we, the vehicle can follow you if you're delivering parcels and yeah i think uno could be a mobility provider for with light electric vehicles uh, for b2b but also b2c and partly of these vehicles some of these vehicles could also be autonomous yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and like the, the future for the consumer market, you, you said that you, you were thinking about it, like you're going to be thinking about like for the things that you could buy for yourself. Is that the focus too, or is it like on the bylines at this point? No, it's already, we are looking into that. And the originally idea of our company was actually a, a B2C product. It was a, a covered bicycle for two person, uh, which you can also use in the, in the rain with four wheels. This was actually our original idea, but we realized that the market is not ready yet for that. And it's quite complicated for a startup to create this market. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we, we already uh, draw some nice uh, vehicle concepts for also the consumer market, but it will take uh, a couple of more years to until we really have a prototype or a vehicle ready. I think, I think it also takes into account the behavioral change in people. Like when people start to realize those vehicles are uh, capable of delivering so much more. I, when I saw the pictures and renders, like how much stuff you can fit into Ono bike, like that's wow, like so many boxes of stuff. That, that is, and this is the same like size factor, same ratio, like you can drive on a sidewalk. But l let me ask you this, you've been focused on electric mobility solutions or on urban logistics, but do you see your, you personally expanding in diff into different industries? Like you're such a driven person when it comes to 
sustainable approach to e-mobility. The world needs people like you everywhere. Like, do you see that? Do you see that yourself becoming? Yes. So, I mean, the, the, my big topic is, is quality of life or, or the topic of our company and also of my co-founders is quality of life in cities. And I think in the moment, the, the biggest challenge is, is traffic and logistics. But uh, once we solve that, why not go into other areas like uh, food maybe or improve the quality of the air in, in, in with green gardening or with other uh, products so yeah i think uh, as soon as as long as the product is improving the, the quality of life and it's just in, it's making the lives of the people better it could be in a product from from our company mm -hmm. so you're thinking like you said food you see that as a as a particular place where focus is needed our global uh, human, uh, you know, as humans, we should focus on the food particularly, or is it should be, you know, energy, transport, obviously, but what do you think? Like, I think food is often underestimated how much uh, CO2 emission it creates and how much energy it consumes. Uh, we look a lot of on traffic and you said it at the beginning, it's around 24% of the worldwide CO2 emissions, but I think food is even more. And uh, yes, it's, it's, the way food is produced today, it's, it's it's often not good for for the soil, not good for the animals, and also not good for us humans, right? Uh, so it's it's definitely also a market I'm I'm interested in, and I think we 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 could save a lot of CO2 emission when we change our our behavior of what and uh, what we eat. Mm -hmm. What? It's a big question, so get get ready. Yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think as as Europe we are treating climate change seriously enough? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we should uh, treat it much more seriously, and um, I think it's maybe already five past twelve, and uh, we as humans are not not so good in in into. An, understanding uh, still the complete climate crisis and not understanding what is actually happening and uh, how how fast that we maybe reach a point of no return so i think we should we should try all all more to to stop this climate crisis and and to to rebuild forests to plant trees and to change our behavior as a, as a consumer right consume less consume more responsible and yeah no Definitely, uh, we are not doing enough, in mm -hmm. my point of view. You're an active, like, outside person. I see, like, looking at your, uh, not a hoodie, but you have a Patagonia. Like, you're outside a lot. Are you, Do you still, like, are you outside a lot right now? Like, do you still do a lot of... I, I work quite a lot, and it's not so good possible to do it outside. But I have also no two uh, young uh, children, and of course, I spend as much time with them outside as possible. I grow up, actually, in Munich, in south of Germany, and my mother is from Austria, and uh, every weekend we, we spend in the mountains. So I think this also quite influenced um, myself, that I I'm not completely grown up in a big city, but I, I, I know the countryside. I know 
uh, farmers. I, I played in the field. Uh, I know cows uh, are not uh, purple. Uh, I, and yeah, I, I love to ski. I love to hike. So yeah, I definitely have a connection to to the countryside. Also uh, like to sail uh, because you don't need any energy besides the wind. Uh, this is what I'm doing uh, in Berlin because we don't have mountains here. And yeah, I think uh, it calms you down, nature and forest, right? You, know, that you, you need this, especially if you have a busy, busy job. Mm -hmm. Do you think do you think we can find our like find a technology that can keep do, that can help us be as <clears throat> so we use a lot of nature right now you, like we we also separate ourselves from the nature I see that trend happening a lot of people consider nature to be something as a standalone thing there's a forest and there's there's me I'm I'm not a nature necessarily but an ongoing conversation is between technology solutions and environmental solutions. So a lot of people say that we can find our technology as a way out of this crisis. We can invest in direct air uh, capture. We can suck carbon emissions out of the air. Uh, we can build e-cargo bikes. But other people would say, uh, well, let's stop buying stuff. Let's start, you know, reproducing. Do you see yourself being strongly on one side of this conversation on the other? Do you, do you think technology can save us or? I think what mostly can save us is a change in behavior, right? And, uh, but I also see that we as a human got used to a certain kind of uh, comfort and we are lazy, exactly. lazy animals somehow. Um, and, I, I think that it's difficult to f forbid things, right? And to, to say, okay, you, you are not allowed to eat meat. You're not allowed to, to shop. You're not allowed to travel. Um, so this is quite difficult and, and most humans uh, won't listen uh, and still will do it. So I think it's a mixture. We have to change our behavior, but we also need to improve technology and to, to push technology, which is less harmful for environment and uh, i don't think we can live anymore without technology and we cannot feed uh, seven billion people on the on the on the earth without technology um, but there is uh, green technology out there and uh, what I, I i agree with Elon musk is that it's not happening from itself right a lot of people think okay it's automatically getting greener and more sustainable no i don't think so uh, i think you you have to push this and you need entrepreneurs and politicians who's pushing them and you have a lot of uh, people out there who are still benefiting from all technology from oil and gas and they get a lot of subsidies still and we we have to work uh, to change those right mm -hmm. well how, how does it make you feel when you realize like how many subsidies oil companies get like it's still happening at this point like we know the problem exists for the past 30 40 years like on a global scale and we still do not treat that as a crisis in a, in a, in a way that we would if everybody was on board like i don't i look at the graph for example the the co2 emission graph for the past 40 years and it's it's, it's just it's just rising like that it's just like every conference we had every conversation we had like what, what what's wrong like why is that happening yeah it, it can be frustrating and it can make uh, us angry and uh, it's it's not even that we we we, we start forbidding these technologies it's actually we should stop uh, yeah uh, sub subsidizing these and uh, still this is not done of course these these people are quite influenced and 
But I, I never lose the hope that one day it will be just so much cheaper to use solar, sun, and electric uh, mobility that there is no subsidy in the world anymore to can uh, can support this this old uh, this old type of energy. So yeah, I think we 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 have to continue, and uh, of course sometimes it's frustrating, but you see also a lot of money is going into into renewable energies and into alternatives and. What gives me hope is if you look at the at the new generation like uh, Friday for Futures or younger people, and I think they quite quite understand it better than my generation that it's uh, that they need to change and that we all need to change, and this this gives me hope. There are there are, there are a few solutions when it comes to behavioral change. They are start to pop pop up uh, something called nudging, for example, where you push like yourself or people around you in a very gentle manner to do what's best for us. Like there's a something I heard recently was if you go for a run, you might as well go for a run and pick up trash where you do as, as you're doing it. So I, I think a lot of ideas are out there. It's the problem of communication and that's like a constant problem with climate change as well. Uh, I, I love how you communicate honor as a business. It really feels like a next generation stuff, but I feel with climate change, that's the problem too. Do, do you see positive versus negative conversation about climate change in your surroundings, in your family, friends? What what I like to see when uh, I mean before Corona, when I when I uh, bike to work on a Friday morning and I saw these school kids actually on the street and not in the school, this was kind of uh, kind of motivating to see that they actually skip school and and, and go and demonstrate in front of the House of Parliament in Berlin. And uh, yeah, it, but what what you're saying, what is a bit uh, a problem these days, it's, it's it's black or white, right? There's no in between, there's no gray. So you have people completely seeing it and, and, and go and demonstrate. And then you have people who say, okay, I, I want to drive my diesel car until the next 50 uh, years. And it's, it's my right to do this. So yeah, I think... I think we still need politics to 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 change on a massive scale, and I, I'm a big fan of, of CO2 tax. I think this this could really help us to to towards a, a greener economy and a more sustainable economy. And I, I just don't understand why CO2 uh, certificates are so cheap. They need to be more expensive in order to motivate businesses to move towards green energy. And uh, but I hope that once these young people have the right to vote um then they also this also will change politicians mm -hmm. so are you are you optimistic about the future i think as an entrepreneur you're always optimistic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're not optimistic you are probably a bad entrepreneur <laughs> because it's it's quite likely that you that you fail as an entrepreneur so you need to be very optimistic actually to start a company and so yes i'm optimistic somehow i still i'm optimistic and i think as as we really fucked it up the last hundred years as human race uh, as we created this climate crisis i think uh, i'm optimistic that on a big scale we can also stop uh, co2 emissions and maybe even can massively rebuild forests and plant trees and maybe uh, make this 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 world uh, a better place again 
Let me ask you, what about AI? Uh, it's a conversation about data and the use of data. I think we're scratching the surface, uh, generally, collectively. Do you plan on, or do you have any kind of data collection sensors on the bikes right now? Because you're going to be on a very street level and you could be capable of collecting very vital data. You know, emissions, you can be very granular about that data. Have you, is that a part of your solution to, to collect that kind of information, share it, you know? In the moment, we, we don't have cameras on the vehicle. We don't have uh, air quality centers, but we can do this in the future. And we, we already collect data like GPS um, and uh, uh, like uh, suspension or like little shocks and stuff for predictive maintenance. Uh, uh, concepts and uh, yes, I think this is this is a very interesting topic because the owner of the vehicle, which not only is on the street but it's also on the on the bike lanes and which is also parked maybe on the on the sidewalk, and their cars cannot uh, collect any data. So I think it it can be quite interesting uh, in the future to collect more data. Of course, always protecting uh, the people's uh, rights and, and and not filming any any That's humans right. or stuff like that. Um, yes, and it's uh, it's definitely uh, to support our business model in the future, like predictive maintenance or optimizing the routing. Because as a cargo bike, there may be ways you can go where cars cannot go, but maybe also ways where bicycle can go, where, but where you're not uh, able to go because you're quite bigger than a bicycle. So this is also like for routing optimization, uh, we will collect data. And uh, yes, it's definitely an, an, a very interesting topic for us. I, I ask because my uh, my friend Charles, uh, I had a podcast with him and he said exactly a thing that opened my eyes when it comes to data. He said that in China, they started to install um, emission sensors on taxis and, you know, combine that into a system that can, you know, really visualize who's polluting the air where exactly in the real time and kind of pointed direction where data could be used to, to, to really uh, like the the use of data essentially and and how we use it, it can be really the thing that can change the behavior like you're saying the certificates are so cheap maybe that's a problem of people just not realizing you know who's polluting how and like if we see that in one place in one location i don't know it's it <laughs> but you're right yeah i mean in in germany in most cities you only have three or four centers collecting the quality of air and in a city like Berlin, this doesn't give you a clear picture, right? And you're completely right if you have, I don't know, 100 vehicles or 200 vehicles driving around the city and, and collecting data regarding the quality of air, then you have a much, much clearer picture of the situation. And, and maybe it's a construction site, which is the real problem and not so much the cars or the buses in the moment, or it's maybe a, a power plant in the city, which is the problem or like a factory. Yes. This, I mean, information, making information public is, 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 is a very important thing in also terms of protecting the environment. That's, yeah, that's a great stuff. Listen, so you've got 30 seconds of everyone's attention on the planet. What would you say to, to, to the entire planet right now? Be more aware where we are and try to be more sustainable in your lifestyle and, and treat your neighbors and friends well because we are all one all, all, all one race and it's not about being against each other. It's about, it's about living together and, and make this place beautiful again. Gotcha. 
So if anybody's interested in connecting with you after listening to this podcast to whatever you just said or with your company, how they can do that? You can write us an email, hello at uh, onomotion.com. Uh, you can reach out on our social media channels. You can come by our office in Berlin and make a test ride. And yeah, we hoping to do a European roadshow next year if, if Corona let us. So we will probably in Amsterdam, Paris, Vienna, uh, we want to connect with, with people making the vehicle available for them. And that's, that's yeah, how we want to reach out next year. Oh, I'm definitely. I never been to Berlin, to be honest. Whenever I'm there, I'm I'll be the one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, perfect. Great. It's maybe not the best time to travel to Berlin because all the famous bars and clubs are closed. So maybe you wait a little bit. Um, but it's still a, a great city, and uh, I like the open mindedness of the people here, and it's a very international city, and and it, it can be quite uh, different also depending on where you are in Berlin. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, there's, there's a, so many interesting people in there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come there. You're going to give me a tour the, the Berlin. That's not true. I'm going <laughs> to chill one of those places. Um, <laughs> perfect. So if, you, if, if anybody's looking for a career in electric mobility and want to work with, uh, you know, Beres, who's a smart guy, who's really doing something about this problem, feel free to reach out, uh, Listen, Boris, I want to thank you so much. I don't want to stretch it at this point. Uh, there's so much good, valuable content in here. Thank you for your time and good luck with Ono. Hope thank we, you. Can, we can talk sometime in the future and see how, how your project goes forward. And you know, maybe we'll solve a few other problems we have on this planet together. Definitely. There are enough challenges out there. Thank you also very much for the time. And yeah, looking forward to see you in Berlin. Thank you. Have a great day.